Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Lori Jo Vest, is a social media and digital marketing specialist. Lori has spent over 20 years of her career helping companies and brands create connected, positive relationships with people. As a business-to-business marketing and sales director, managing director of a teleproduction studio, and most recently as a social media content creator and community builder, she's worked with companies both large and small. She helps them drive sales results through business development, digital marketing, and customer service. In 2018, she left the big agency land to start Pop Speed Digital Marketing. Currently, she hosts Work Mom Says, Don't Be an Idiot, a podcast targeted to young business professionals who want to grow their relationship building skills and approach their career from a strategic point of view. Lori, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to do this. Tell us a little bit what's been kind of going on in your world since you and I actually recorded on uh, the Working Moms podcast. All kinds of crazy things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're getting all kinds of new clients. Um, I know you're heavy into LinkedIn, so I want to tell you a really fun LinkedIn story. Always. This just happened last week. I made a comment on a national LinkedIn kind of expert. He's a thought leader. Everybody knows who he is. Not going to mention his name though. And I I made a comment on one of his posts. And a couple of days later, I got a message from a woman in Poland. Oh, It was like, I saw your comment on this post and it was only four sentences, but it was so great. And I thought, you know, I need a, a writer like you. So let's talk. And I was like, Okay, skepticism. I'm a little skeptical, right? We all get a little healthy skepticism on social. We went back and forth a little bit. And she's for real. And they have a really awesome company. And they're looking for a content provider. That's just what we do at our small agency. And we had a riot on the phone call. And she basically said that she believed in fate. And I was like, what is even happening? But we have been really putting it out there to the universe that we are going to grow. I am growing this agency. I want it to be up to 1.6 million in the next three years. You know, I have this vision. And I think when you have a really strong vision, strange things can happen to and things can start to align that you didn't expect. And sometimes work comes from the strangest places. So we've provided a proposal to this woman and her partner, and we are awaiting the response on whether we're going to do, you know, some really great SEO content, you know, articles that will help sell their company and or social media. And the way it sounds, it's probably going to be both. And it's like she's in Poland and her compadre is in the UK and we're in the US and we're all going to work together because that's how things are these days. It's so awesome to be able to really stretch your wings and kind of attract people beyond the boundaries even of the country you're in. It's a really cool time to be a marketer. It is so cool. And I love that. And I swear, those of you listening, I didn't plant that story in here. This is the first time I'm hearing it that I always preach LinkedIn. But yes, and it's so interesting because I never used to be a social media person. And now being a business owner, it's like you, you have to do it. I mean, it's so interesting. And just the opportunities. I mean, how would you have ever connected with someone literally halfway across the world? And now, hey, you could say you work internationally and other in Europe now. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because the conversation we were having was I was kind of disagreeing with what this guy was saying, (laughs) right? 
But I love to find ways to disagree that are interesting and compel further thought, not negative. But I, you know, and while I was crafting that response, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, it was all about whether personal or professional content should be more valued on the platform for LinkedIn. And it's a kind of an ongoing conversation. I think they actually covered it in the New York Times the other day. And I personally think business is about people. I want to know what you're doing. If you just had a baby and, you know, your company is letting you stay home for six months with, you know, with your child, I want to hear about that because I want to know companies that are doing that. I want to hear about it. So I'm all about like, yeah, I want to hear the personal. And this guy was kind of like, meh, I don't really want to hear the personal. (laughs) So we were kind of going back and forth, but in a really funny kind of fun way because I get that perspective. Some people just don't want to go to LinkedIn to see anything but business. I'm here cheering on the authenticity kind of piece because, right, isn't authenticity the thing? I mean, isn't that it these days? Oh, it's my friend and I always joke because we're like, you're either authentic or you're not. Like if you're sitting there saying how authentic you are, you probably aren't. But if you are yourself and you have to look at the consumer buyer's journey of who do you, I know I like working with women business owners. I like the little guy that made it from a horrible background, not that we wish that upon people, but oh yeah, the underdog, the underdogs. Thank you. I love the underdog. Right. And that's what people don't realize is you want to share personal. I mean, anytime I talk about mental health, I'm very open about it. Three clients every single time I do a post about it and it works. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's one of the things with Work Mom Says, I always say, one of the reasons I do the podcast, and it's it's kind of a hobby podcast at this point, and I can't, it just calls to me, I have to do it. It's to help young professionals learn to play the emotional contact sport of business. Because it is an emotional contact sport. We had a situation the other day with a client, with a, it was a new client, it was going to be a new client. And they decided to do some really funky things after signing the contract. They decided to not go through with the month and then not to pay us for that month. And then (gasps) not to tell us we were supposed to start the next month, not to even tell us whether we were going to start the next month and they ghosted us. So, I mean, it was a contract. It was a retainer invoice. it, It was ready to go. And the call that I got was just shocking that, no, we're just going to delay this for a month. So we don't want to pay your invoice for that month. What? And I made a decision on how to handle it, which was let it go. Mm -hmm. Let it go. I have no desire to fight, no desire to get wrapped up and entangled with that type of kind of thing that's happening. I'd rather back away slowly, but it's emotional. It causes feelings in you when someone you're doing business with does something like that. And so Part of what I teach with Work Mom Says, and I think it's really important, is that how can you be more strategic and less emotional in business? Because when emotions go up, logic goes down, right? I learned that the hard way. Because it's like when you start, and I, of course, want to hear how you got the idea of this business, but it's so emotional, too, because you want to make people happy. And I would lose sleep over it all the time. I mean, the second a client would yell at me or just do something disrespectful and immediate tears always and immediate like, should I be doing this? Like, this is hard. And yeah. I, I love your podcast for that exact reason. And now coming from a place of I don't care, I don't need to work with you or being able to fire clients and just being oh, okay with it. It's the best. It's the best feeling. And coming from big agency, I mean, I'm sure you 
you had the same situation as me of just any corporation of just your boss would make you work with these clients, the customers always right. And it sucked the soul out of you and people would treat you so disrespectfully. Yeah, it happens. And part of the thing that I do with Work Mom Says is I'm really committed to teaching you how to think in a way that those emotions don't even come up in the first place. Mm -hmm. Where if you go to the office and you look at that coworker who's kind of a monster (laughs) and you think, you know, I wonder what she's trying to accomplish with that. Or I wonder what happened to her. Yes. Or I wonder why she thinks she has to act that way to get what she wants and get curious about it instead of being judgmental. It changes everything. I used to have clients, I I was in sales and part of what happens when you're in sales, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, is you have to take every client that comes in. Your boss wants that revenue, whether that client is a monster or the sweetest thing you ever met. Oh, always about revenue. Exactly. And speaking of which, you left in 2018, but how did you come up with this idea? How did you say, I want to start Pop Speed and this is going to happen? Well, I've always had a side hustle going. I'm a real big fan of the side hustle. And I wrote a book as a side hustle and I wrote another book as a side hustle. And then I kind of fell into social media at the ad agency level at 48 years old. Really unusual to get your first big agency job at that age. Totally bizarre. And loved it, thoroughly enjoyed it. About four and a half years in, there was some kind of a conflict with the client and budgets were getting cut and they pulled 20 of us into a meeting let us all go. And I had already been doing some social media as a side hustle for clients while I was there. And I, you know, okayed it with them. They, it wasn't competitive work. It wasn't anything that, it was a little bitty clients, right? And so in looking at it, by then I was, you know, 54. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to go out and get a job. <laughs> that would be so weird. Like, go out and get a job. <laughs> and in your 50s, you know, there are fewer companies that want to consider you for, you know, the kind of positions I'd want at my age. They would rather have somebody in their 40s that's going to be there for 20 years or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of ageism in corporate America, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> a whole other podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what happens when you go out and form your own company is all that wisdom and value you can bring to um, your clients at a much lower price. So I had the six years, eight years of agency experience. Now I'm doing it for my clients on a little agency experience. And we don't have any overhead. It's less expensive. There's a lot of opportunity in digital marketing. And what we do is digital marketing that works, that gets results. It's fascinating how many people think that they're doing social media and then they say it doesn't work. Well, because they haven't taken the time or the effort to make sure they're doing it well, doing it as the channel wants it to be done doing it in a way that's going to get people to click and actually take action. It's a marketing tool. And if you're not a marketer, it can be difficult to do it in a way that's going to get anything for you. So we're focused on, you know, being an agency that gets results, doing primarily social, and it's paying off. If we're growing, we're four and a half years in, about two years in, I did a program on this. I hope everybody looks this program up free and no, I'm not getting paid because it's a free program. I would, there's no money in it, (laughs) but there's a free 30 day program that a gentleman named Benjamin Hardy created called 30 days to your future self. And I was, you know, just coming out of a cancer diagnosis. I was two years out of treatment 
had this kind of solopreneur thing going, went, what do I do? What do I really want? Right. And the pandemic was starting and, and I stumbled across this course and it's a 30 day watch a video journal to a couple of questions, do it again the next morning. You do it every day for 30 days. By the end of 30 days, he has you get really clear on what you want. And I want to be a debt-free millionaire. And that's all. I want to be a debt-free millionaire. And that's the clarity of the goal. Now, what it doesn't say is I want to be a debt-free millionaire so I can donate to really great causes that just feed my soul. So I can do my podcast at a really high level. What he does is help you see a vision. And over the 30 days, what happens, I've never experienced this before, is doing things that don't serve that vision become uncomfortable. So working on the sofa with my laptop, that's not what somebody who runs, uh, you know, and for some reason, the number 1.6 million came up as my initial target. And if somebody who's running that type of company doesn't sit on the couch with a laptop, they have an office. So I built an office. They have accountability groups. They have business coaches. So I started building those things around me. And then I started hiring people. I was able because of those things. So getting really, really clear on what you want makes it so much easier to do the stuff that's necessary. Because being an entrepreneur is not easy, as I'm sure you'll attest. You want to bang your head on the wall, right? Oh, if you don't do that once a week, you're not doing it right. If something doesn't want to make you throw your laptop out the window, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you don't want to hang up on somebody at least once a week, Mm -hmm. you're not an entrepreneur. (laughs) And if you don't think, what the heck is this? Why do we have to deal with this? I mean, you know, all these strange things come up. It's just so interesting. But I wouldn't trade it for anything at this point because I've got this vision and I want to see, can I make this happen? Right. And how are you because, and this is not downplaying what you do, but so many people claim to do social media. You and your firm do it wonderfully. Having worked with you, having seen what you do, having being friends with some of your employees, you do it so well. And I've seen the insides of it. But what makes you different than all these other agencies that claim they know what they're doing and they don't? Well, it's when I was in agency land, basically what happens is the people who do social media are immersed in it. You're on it 24-7, you're in, you're all day. And it's usually those of us who are deep into it really love it. We love the social aspect of it. We love communicating those little micro messages to the audience and getting results and you know, promoting like some, a lot of our clients are nonprofits. So we're promoting really helpful messaging, great information that people need. So there's a reward to it that we feel, but there's also this real emphasis on, is it working and adjusting and learning what it takes to make it work? Social, there's an ongoing battle with social that people think I'm going to have my new intern do the social media. I'm going to have my junior level person that just started do the social media. She has a TikTok account. She knows how to do it. Well, she knows how the platform works, but does she know how to market a company on the platform? No. And so that's kind of where that little disconnect happens is everybody has a social media account and everybody, some people are on all the platforms. So they think they know how they work. And in reality, you have to add the marketing component to it. Without the marketing component, which is who's the audience? What's the message? How are you reaching them? How are you targeting them inside the platform? 
do you look like the things that do you stand out by fitting in, which I mean, does your content stand out by looking like the content that that person expects and wants to see in their feed? Or do you look like an ad? Right. You look like an ad. They don't want you. (laughs) Right. So true. Exactly. Now, something I love about you as both an entrepreneur and being in the industry that you're in is you are unapologetically yourself. I love your LinkedIn posts. I felt like I've known you forever when we first got on our first meeting a few months ago, but you stand for what you believe in. You say what you want. You respectfully disagree with people. Have you always been this way? And if not, what kind of got you to be this way? Oh, that's such a great question. (laughs) Oh, great question. Um, I spent the first like 25 years of my career in sales. And so if I didn't have really strong relationships with clients because it was the kind of sales I did was what do they call long lead, takes a long time to build the trust. You get the client, you can't let them go. It's a returning business, you know, returning business model kind of comes back over and over again. But if you don't hang on to that really good, solid, connected relationship with the person that has the work to give out, you don't eat. I mean, you have to have connected, positive relationships to be in relationship-based sales is what I considered it. And so I spent a lot of time learning how to be in relationship with people. And I always say, you can sit me down with a 90-year-old man or a 10-year-old girl, and I'll find something in common and we'll be having a ball in about 15 minutes because the importance of the relationship is always there. But what happened as I got older, I'm going to go a little deeper here. As I got older, I, I started to look into how that wanting everyone to like me wasn't always serving me, That how there were times when I was subjugating myself. And I came across this book about complex PTSD. That's a great topic to talk about. A lot of us have had really bad childhoods, you know, extended periods in our lives when we had trauma. And one of the things that we do when we've survived trauma is we use coping mechanisms, freeze, fawn, flee, right? You've all heard of those trauma responses. When something ugly happens, we run away, we freeze, we yell and fight. There's another one called fawning. And fawning is, I want everybody to like me so I feel safe. Soon as I discovered that one, oh my God. (laughs) Soon as I discovered that one, I was like, you know what? That is part of what I do that I don't want to do anymore. So I became, over time, I think, more authentic, more open, more unapologetically myself, because living true to yourself is the biggest gift you can give to yourself during this lifetime. Doing what suits you, what serves you, not going into spaces that make you feel uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, you don't belong there. If you, you know, if it feels the energy doesn't feel right, they don't understand you, they don't appreciate you, get out. There are people who do and who will. I've learned over the years, too, that I think by being unapologetically yourself, you attract your tribe. You do. And that's who I want to hang with. I was talking to a friend, I think, well, we always have this conversation. It's like, how do you feel after leaving an interaction, whether it's a meeting with a client, whether it's in a networking group or whatever it is, like, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? Are you feeling empowered? Are you feeling, wow, I love what I do and I'm so happy? Like, what does that look like for you? And if the answer is, I feel worse than how I came in, that's not your group of people. And you're not going to be for everyone. And 
I think coming from corporate, because this is the number one pushback I get from people is like, well, I don't know, like, I don't want to offend people. And I don't know if I should stand up for what's going on. And especially in this country, I mean, there's plenty of things that I think companies need to take a stance on being a woman in this country. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you spend 40 plus hours a week with a company with your employees. Why would you not want to be around like-minded people or people that challenge you to be even better than you are. But you're not for everyone. You don't like everyone. I don't like everyone. Why do I want everyone to like me? Yeah. And it's so unnecessary. (laughs) Yes. It's just unnecessary. There's a whole lot of people out there. Right. And once you give that up too, you do notice how you do attract when you start being real honest and real authentic. People appreciate it because it gives them the opportunity. If I share that I come from trauma then someone I'm talking to who also might come from trauma might can just relax. Oh, good. Okay. Right. I don't have to put on an act or, you know, act like I'm not, you know, like I'm having a great day when maybe I'm really kind of depressed. You know, I can be myself. And acknowledging, you know, 100% of who we are is so important. And I always hope to help other people learn that before they get as old as I was (laughs) when I learned it. You said it when we had first talked, like, you know, well, actually, you just brought it up of being 48, starting your first big agency job. How was it starting a business? What were you in your 50s then when you started this business? But yeah, 54, 54. Um, Fortunately, I've been I had been in the ad business in Metro Detroit for a really long time. And that means, you know, people everywhere. And when you're in your 40s and 50s, what I found, and I thought this was so interesting, is you have more credibility with senior leadership when you've got a 25-year experience behind you. You have knowledge, you speak a language that someone who is maybe 25 or 30 might not have yet because they haven't gone through that school of hard knocks. And it is. I mean, you learn so much, um, you know, during your career that by the time you've been doing this for 25 years, you're pretty solid. Not a lot can shake you, you know, and it can get you when you go into meetings and you start talking to CEOs, you're coming at them from their level. There's kind of a perceived wisdom that comes with that, I think. And I've chosen to focus on that. Anybody who's not about working with people who are, you know, across the age spectrum is probably not a good fit for our client roster because we've got like the 25-year-old and the 59-year-old and we're all the way in between, you know. And I, it's interesting because at the same time that I started the business about two years in, we picked up an anti-ageism activist, Ashton Applewhite, as a client. And so I have learned so much about how to be really positive about aging. And also we're looking at, you know, how all the DEI initiatives and everything don't take into account aging. Nope, never do. Ageism is not on the list. It's not even on the list. Mm -hmm. It's just fascinating how things come together too, because I kind of needed that at that time. That that was an impetus. Like, you know, she wrote a book, Ashton did, called This Chair Rocks. I think it's about five years old and she just turned 70. Wow. So, you know, you've got these women out there doing wonderful, powerful things and I get to work with them. It's so cool. That is so cool. And it's, I talk about that too of like, what's the perfect age? If you're in your 20s, you're too young, you don't know anything. If you're in your 50s and 60s, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And it's, I always challenge people and I challenge people in either hiring capacities or business owners that, you know, say whatever they want to say. It's like, well, to you, what's the perfect age? And no one can ever answer that. 
No, they can't. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it, ugh, that's a whole other soapbox we could step on with that too. But oh yeah. Speaking of the clients you work with and everything, and obviously the ones that hire you, they know what they want, they're doing what they're doing. But those who haven't hired you yet, what are you seeing a lot of people go wrong with social media, with branding, with marketing, and all of this in between? Well, I see people measuring the success of social by how nice it looks, how pretty it is, how well it represents them, how well it fits with their brand, when they should be measuring how much traffic it's sending to the website, how many leads is it generating, how many calls are you getting, how many mentions are your sales people getting about your social, how many people are going to your website to read your thought leadership content. Those are the measurements that a lot of people, believe it or not, don't pay attention to. It's bizarre. Our social looks really great. We have a lot of followers. Yeah, but where are the results? And the results, for example, come from, you know, we're, we did a fundraising campaign for a client through the Rocket Community Challenge. Rocket companies did a peer-to-peer fundraising contest, and then they matched donations on different days, you know, they would match every unique donation, they would give you another $25. So if you had 20 new donors, you know, in one day, you would get an extra, you know, however many dollars times 25, you know, and we ended up doing a campaign, sending emails out to our list kind of strategically during the course of this three-week initiative, and we raised $25,000. Wow. It's the first year we'd ever done it. We tried all kinds of different things. Now we've done it once, Next year, we'll do it again, and we'll use what we learned this year to keep it moving. So there's a lot of tracking. There's a lot of going back and looking at what um, we always look at what happened. We look every month what happened last month with the content that we posted for our clients. You know, what results did we get? What did well? What didn't? Let's do more of what did well and less of what didn't. I mean, it's really not that hard, but it takes effort and it takes knowledge to know how each of the channels are used. They're all unique and they really are all unique. You know, that's, I think, one of the big mistakes people make is just treating social as something anybody can do and looking at the wrong results. That's so great. Now, as we continue to wrap this up, because I could speak to you for hours, I always like to ask, what (laughs) is your biggest piece of advice or something, maybe life lesson you've learned so far, or this is just your opportunity to give the good people and all our good listeners some advice here? I like to, and this is something I've done my whole life, I like to encourage young people to look at their business relationships from a strategic point of view. And what that means is, I mean, all your relationships should be good because I think that's just important in your life and how you treat people is important. But in business, if you look at every relationship as a potential strategic opportunity and look to connect with that person, even if they're being jerks, don't let them go away telling somebody that you did something wrong. You know what I mean? Always be the person who behaved in a strategic manner, meaning you're calm, you're compassionate, you're kind. When you're in a relationship with anybody that has a business context, you are always on your best behavior, your best presentation the best you, not that you're not being you, but you don't let your guard down and snipe at somebody. You don't let your guard down, have too many cocktails. I've had clients that have become dear friends and I've still never forgotten you are a client. 
So you're always going to keep that strategic. And what happens, what I found really interesting is by that ability to be strategic in relationships with the goal of creating connected, positive relationships can work in other places too. My first husband, my mother-in-law was a bear. She was passive aggressive, extremely difficult, and nobody was good enough for her son. I was able to treat her with respect, compassionately, with kindness, because I treated her like a client. I put her in that box over there that, you know what, she's going to give all kinds of trouble. But if I go with, you know, my personal kind of, I don't like you and you're awful, that's not going to serve my marriage. So I'm going to be strategic about this relationship. And I held her at arm's length, but I also, she was never able to say that I didn't behave in the best possible fashion no matter what happened. And once you put that in your mind, that you, that's who you want to be, it's really effective. And then you never feel bad for being the asshole. <laughs> I don't ever want to feel bad for being the jerk at the office. I don't ever want to be the one that just because you're a jerk, I don't want you to be able to come back and say that I was one too, you know? So that's kind of what I look at is that being able to control how you look at relationships and looking at the right ones very strategically and behaving accordingly. That doesn't mean you let them walk on you. Right. But it means when you're telling them not to walk on you, you do it very kindly and compassionately. <laughs> oh, that was great. Boundaries are good. Boundaries. We <laughs> love boundaries. Yes. Especially yes. if you come from trauma, boundaries are huge. So yes, exactly. They are. And last but not least, we'll include links to all your socials and how people can potentially work with you. But if someone wants to get in touch, how can they contact you? How can they follow Pop Speed? Plug yourself here. All right. We have a website at popspeeddigitalmarketing.com that tells you kind of who we are, what we do, or what our focus is, our mission, vision, values, all those kinds of things. And I am also an open networker on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. So find me there, Lori Joe Vest. Mention this podcast. And uh, please listen to my podcast too, workmomsays.com. And that's where I give advice and talk about all kinds of different aspects of business um, and how you can avoid, when I say avoid drama <laughs> and achieve more success by learning to play the emotional contact sport of business. So yeah, that's me. Lori, thank you so much. This has been such a fun episode. For those of you listening, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of That's Business. Remember, if you're not happy in your career, need some guidance, contact us for a free consultation. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.